<laughs> this is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Catitude. I'm your show host, Michelle Fern. Okay, Halloween is just around the corner. And, you know, that's time we have to give extra special care to our cats because, you know, there's this thing, Halloween cats and things happen. So we have a very special guest today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I'd like to welcome Ashley Evenson. She is an anthrozoologist. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you. So what does an anthrozoologist do? So anthrozoology is the study of human-animal interactions, impact, and relationships. So it's everything from, you know, the cat in your living room to giraffes in Africa. Okay. Well, today we're going to focus on cats, but what's your specialty? That's a tough question. So I would say my specialty is trying to be the voice for our companion animals and trying to help improve understanding, right? And then consequently relationships with humans between those animals. Okay, great. And I know for the most part, and especially, you know, we're heard all over the world, but mostly in the US, we focus on, you know, our companion animals, generally are cats and dogs, but Mm -hmm. we're going to focus more on cats, especially because with Halloween coming up, there's just a lot about cats and Halloween that's out there. And I've done shows in the past with guests that abhor the black cat you know, tradition. What's, I'm just curious, what's your take on that? You know, it's funny because all the black cats that I have met have been some of the coolest cats. And that's completely anecdotal. So I've never understood, right? Like it's got more to do with the historical issues, you know, with the witch trials and superstitions. I'm hoping that today as a society, we moved past the point where we have to worry as much about, you know, cats getting kidnapped for, you know, terrible intentions on Halloween and whatnot. But the reality of it is even you know, just black cats in general are harder to see, right? So it's more difficult to avoid, you know, accidents and whatnot. And it's just really important to optimize their safety whenever we can. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of black cats, closest I have now is a tuxedo, which is Molly. But ages ago, before I was a cat person, I was a dog person. And I like mutts and 
a certain size. I like a certain mix if I can find them. And both my mutts were black with like some tan markings. And I didn't even know there was such a thing, but I saw this and maybe this has been phased out since then. But there was at one time in the last shelter I adopted, which was a humane society, a black velvet club, because most people don't adopt black fur pets. Did you ever hear that? Yeah, there's actually a lot of studies on this because it is a common issue in shelters. It's just for whatever reason. And, you know, we're starting to try to tease it apart and use what we've learned from these studies to try to improve this number. But for whatever reasons, yeah, black dogs and black cats really struggle to get adopted. People just, it's not their go-to. And, you know, so now we're starting to learn, trying to optimize the pictures to make sure that they, you know, are as photogenic as possible, like doing everything that we can to help support this, the adoption of these animals. And it's just, it's something that we're trying to work forward as a society to improve, you know, the how these animals are portrayed because it really doesn't make any sense. No. And I don't know why, but I just buried both my fur babe, you know, they were dogs, but both of them, one, one was female, one's male. I happen to like border collie mixes and that's just, uh, what, yeah. you know, I just, I just have a thing. I just love them. And, but mixes because I like mutts and I didn't even know. I thought maybe this humane society was like a thing. I didn't even know it was a trend. I don't know why the black fur appealed to me, maybe because I wear more black pants than white. I, although I could care less, you know, if you have fur in your house, what is that saying? Fur is a condiment for pet owners, right? Deal with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's called furniture. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. If you have fur, then mouth, whatever, it's just how it is. Actually, we could do a whole show on. I did have not that long ago a show where if you're adopting and if you're afraid about, you know, your couch getting scratched up or, you know, something getting chewed or whatever, then you are not worthy of being a pet parent. That's just how it is, you know? Sure, we don't want them, you know, raking up our, you know, clothing and attacking everything, but you have just when you're a pet owner or, you know, a pet parent. That's just how it is. But let's get to Halloween. So what are some things? So we talked about a little with black cats. That old superstition drives me crazy. And yeah. I have five. So if I would adopt another one, I actually like Sphinx and they're bald, but I would adopt a black cat. I think they're gorgeous. I know with, with social media, everybody's into photogenic and this and that, you know, get some lighting. They're plenty photogenic and they're, they're beautiful. And I've heard also, and, and you had just mentioned about temperament, what I've heard so much about black cats having the sweetest temperaments. My tuxedo is not quite there. She's a little bit of a diva, but she is lovable in her way. So is there anything with Halloween coming besides, you know, we're aware of the black cat issues as humans. We're aware, you know, if you have an indoor outdoor cat, especially on Halloween, keep your cat inside. What about anxiety that is construed to your cats? Um, oh, good question. Halloween. So, yeah, I think that that's the real when it comes to Halloween, there's like a few different threats. And I think you could probably break it up into right, like it causes anxiety we have what I would call door dashers, where these might actually be cats that are so anxious, they actually try to escape the house and run out, which isn't safe, or they're so curious, right? And so social that they also try to escape, which is not safe for them. So there's a couple different uh, recommendations I can help with that. And then, right, it's just dealing with anxiety the best that we can and trying to you know, help prevent them experiencing a traumatic event as Halloween can be for some animals. 
I love the idea for DoorDashers because, yeah, yeah, people ring in the, you know, if you're yeah general neighborhood, the tradition, people ring your doorbell. You, oh, usually it's kids. <laughs> Mostly it's kids. And yeah. trick or treat. And of course, cats can run out. So what are your recommendations? So I actually grew up, like, had this cat. So I know exactly what people are dealing with when this is a common issue. And the other thing I want to note is even if your cat isn't a DoorDasher, Please take extra precautions because it's always better to be safe than sorry. And because of it being like a novel experience, they might end up showing these behaviors out of the blue and it's just better to be safe. So the biggest advice that I can give is make sure that they always have identification on, right? You want to make sure that it's clear that they have a home. I would add a bell to their caller so you can hear them coming just to give yourself a heads up like, oh, we're going to have to run interference. And then like the most important thing is, you know, it's two words, multiple barriers. (laughs) So whether it's a foldable pet fence, whether it's, you know, closing doors, I mean, especially really anxious cats, they're probably just going to want to be left in a safe place, right? So giving them a little office, trying to, you know, close that door, make it a fun room, you know, get puzzle toys in there for them, boxes, toys, like all their favorite thing, make sure they have water and, you know, get some soothing music on, even some TV background noise can help kind of muffle, right? Like if they're really stressed out by people coming to the door, you know, if you do have a door dasher, it's just you're going to have to figure out what you can do in your living situation to add multiple barriers to make sure that they are not getting out, obviously, for their safety. I know cats that can open doors. So if your cat can open doors, you might even have to think about, you know, putting a harness on them and like tethering them with a leash of some sort in some in a room just to really make sure that they're safe. And then even if they do get out, I really am a big fan of like, they have these GPS tracking collars now. They have, my favorite thing ever is the collars that light up and blink, right? So it, it makes it more visible. It also, I think, acts as somewhat of a natural deterrent to like coyotes or, you know, raccoons, other things that you would worry about potentially interacting with your cat or being curious about them, which we don't want. And then, you know, cars, obviously humans being another major issue as far as accidents that can happen. And all these collars, the ones that blink and everything, and I know the ones with bells on them, they're all breakaway. There's plenty and plenty of breakaway type or cat specific type collars. Yeah, definitely. And especially with like the flashing collars and whatnot, those don't even need to be tight, right? Like they can be loose so that if they have a breakaway collar and you, you can't find a blinking collar that, that is breakaway, you can keep it loose enough so that, you know, if it did end up getting into a situation where it needed to slip out of the collar, it could. I just think they're the best thing ever just for keeping animals safe at night, um, especially when they're darker colored and just cats are so low to the ground, right? And they move so quickly and they're so tough to see. And on Halloween, people are kind of conditioned to look for kids, right? When a lot of times we put like glow sticks and stuff on our kids and like flashing lights and whatnot. So I think they naturally will react more quickly if they see that type of light, you know, stimuli. Yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to take a short break and come back and find out which of your decorations are no-nos for Halloween because they could do more harm than good to your cats. We'll be right back. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, 
Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Ashley, who is an anthrozoologist, and we're talking about Halloween. So, Ashley, what we talked about some great tips for you know your cats, how to keep them safe. I love the idea of the collars, various types of collars to be safe and multiple barriers. You know, if you have a room and you want to make it a party room for your cats that night go for it. Let's talk about decorations and such that are not cat friendly. I've done this many times for Christmas time and for decorations. You know, most of us know if you have cats, no tinsel, none of that liquid potpourri, but that's more Christmassy. What about decorations that we put up for Halloween that are cat, you know, unfriendly or toxic to our cats? Yeah, so I think that the first thing that comes to mind for me is go with a battery-powered candle in your pumpkins because a real flame is not safe. And, you know, the old saying about curiosity in cats, and it's just better to always set them up for success. Like, they should be able to free roam and, like, free range their home without safety hazards. So everything you can do to make sure that it is a safe environment for them to fully explore and enjoy and cats are curious. They're super inquisitive animals. They do want to explore with these new exciting things and you're putting decorations out and they're going to be taking it upon themselves to check them out. So making sure that these are safe things for them. What about like the fake spiderweb stuff? Yeah, so that has a lot of potential to get tangled. I mean, God forbid if it were ever ingested, I would really steer clear of that type of thing. Similarly, a lot of times with that type of decorating, people end up spray painting a lot of stuff. And just like as a friendly reminder that like, Never, you know, spray paint or use any sort of chemicals like that in a non-ventilated area with your pets. I mean, it's just their respiratory systems are so much more sensitive than even ours are, uh, especially being smaller bodied as they are. I'd be careful. I'd always err on the side of caution. Right. So true. I'm glad you said that because there's products that I have used in the past that were supposed to be pet friendly and that were not pet friendly. Yeah. And I know I told this story before, but in case someone didn't hear the, that previous episode, I'll make it quick. I was using something on carpet and it was pet friendly. And, you know, so I sprinkled a bunch and vacuumed everything up. I thought I got a call from my spouse and he said, you know, Zeus's nose is triple the size. And oh, my God, panicked. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm freaking out. What's going on? Show me a picture. What's you know, I, I was in a spot where I w- couldn't get home for hours. What happened? What? How did this happen? What? And he must have sniffed something in the carpet. Maybe there was something that didn't get pulled up and he had an allergic reaction. Now, this is something pet friendly. And since then, I 
never, most of my home now is just area rug carpet, but I didn't even have no carpet if it was my choice. But I'm just very concerned with anything that's in the air, smelling and anything for cleaners, floor cleaners, everything, because you never know what's going to affect your pet. I actually, I honestly, I've seen this a lot in practice, especially carpet cleaners and, you know, wood floor cleaners. It's like after cleaning day, animals a lot of times will have allergy flare ups. And when you think about it and you're experienced and you understand that these have a bunch of chemicals that their systems are just sensitive to, it seems obvious that that's what's causing it. But so many homes are treating animals for allergies that they really are. All they would have to do is eliminate the products they're using or switch to more sensitive based products or, you know, like you said, pet friendly, but in under-regulated areas. So you got to be careful, right? With the and, and you would test like super pet friendly. I actually went to a floor cleaner that's safe for babies, like infant babies. And yes, it's yeah. okay for pets because vets are not cheap. And besides the fact, who wants to see your, your fur babe suffer? Yeah. Yeah. And it just turns it into a, like, they're not going to understand either probably why their nose blew up or why they're all of a sudden feeling horrible. And they might make a terrible association with just that room or that spot on the carpet where they just, you know, they might then have uh, lingering anxiety over it. And then actually, I'm glad that you brought up the toxic issues because with Halloween, a lot of times we have face paints, right? And all these different types of cosmetics that we put on ourselves or, you know, spray ourselves with and glitter and all these different things. And I would always, you know, assume that they're not pet friendly, you know, because if especially cats, right, because they clean themselves. So everything that their paws walk on, at some point is probably going to come into contact with their mouth. So we have to be extra, extra careful too with like, you said carpet cleaners and stuff, everything they've walked upon or touched or rubbed up against, right, is eventually going to probably be ingested to some degree, which makes it even more dangerous for them. Those are some great points. And then just a side note, Zeus was okay after a couple of hours. I had a vet appointment, but he was fine by then. The vet said it should be fine. It was temporary. So oh I, luckily, God. I had a good outcome to that situation. But, you know, cats are smaller than dogs. I think they're even more sensitive to any kind of sensor or things like that. Okay, here's another one, Ashley. What about putting costumes on your cats? Now, I know there's a lot of Instagram people that like to dress up their cats and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know that I 100% agree with it. The only cat I can get anything on if I wanted to, which I don't really want to, would be Dennis, but nobody else. I would be clawed to pieces. What is your take on costumes for your cats? Okay, so that's a fair question. It always, to me, comes down to every animal is an individual. They're sentient beings. They have their own feelings and opinions. There are certain cats out there, I'm sure, that like, because, you know, if we say like cats hate being dressed up, there's going to be someone that's like, oh, my cat loves being dressed up. There probably are cats out there that get a costume put on and then they get showered with treats and affection and they maybe they, you know, fully embrace the experience. For the most part, though, I think it's pretty safe to say that if they're not enjoying the experience, is it really worth it putting them through it? So, right, like if you're if it's just for the sake of getting an Instagram picture, I mean, I think I would probably start seriously thinking about how you're weighing, you know, your animal's well-being versus 30 seconds of fame or what have you. And 
The other thing is it's it's difficult to fit animal costumes right correctly. So it, it, it always worries me, you know, when there's elastic in them. And if you leave it on, you can never leave anything on an animal like unsupervised like that. Like they could end up trying to get it. Well, they will end up trying to get it off themselves and they could end up hurting themselves or cutting off their circulation, getting wrapped around it or and God forbid, ingesting it, which becomes very dangerous. Anything elastic like that, if it gets ingested. Yeah. So that's where I just know your animal, you know, and try to do what's right for them. It's hard to tell people how to right treat their children or their pets type of right. thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, if they're enjoying it, maybe, you know, short term worth a picture or two. If they're not, probably let it go. Yeah. Don't bother it. I I, yeah. I only tried once a sweater on Dennis and um just for a quick picture. And then I thought, okay, he hates it. He was just walking backwards. So mm-hmm. he had it on five minutes. But then you have like Sphinx cats, right? That they love their sweaters usually because they, they get cold. Right, they need, they that. need that. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying is it's all about the individual needs and wants. You, you know, it's so hard to make general recommendations at the end of the day. It's seriously consider that specific animal that you're talking about or how they're going to react to it, what that experience is going to be like for them whenever you're making decisions like that. But you had a good point, though. A sweater, and especially a sweater for a sphinx cat, where they don't have the fur to keep them warm, that's one situation. Putting a little pilgrim thing on your, or a witchy (laughs) thing on your cat, just so to take a little picture, and if it's not going to be comfortable for your cat, and your cat is getting aggravated, or you could tell their vibe is not going where it should be, that's another kind of situation. So if yeah. The latter maybe just think, do you really need to do this and really need to annoy your cat like that? Imagine if it was you trying to, I don't know, squish into a size that was three times too small. Would you like that? No. Yeah. And I mean, it, that's the thing is, right, making sure that it's comfortable for them. So like in the case of sweaters for Sphinx cats, right, it's improving their welfare. It's improving their well-being, you know, right. their life experience. When we're talking about costumes, even if your cat arguably say you think that they're going to like it, I would always approach it like carefully and gently. As far as introducing them to the costume, you know, maybe as you put it on, you're feeding them lots of treats, you're making it a positive experience, you can actually turn it into a bonding experience for the two of you and like, you know, your daily stimulation activity type of thing. Just as long as they're enjoying it, right, you could explore doing it like this, because maybe they think it's cool, like, oh, this is easy. This is like the easiest treat I've ever earned. I just, you know, let her do this thing but I'm not too bothered by it. You know what I mean? Or, but you know, like I said, it's going to depend on the cat. It's not that you can't win over every cat with, with a good piece of kibble or whatnot. Exactly. But yeah. Okay. So one of the things during Halloween, you know, you have any fur babe in your house is going to get a little anxious, but we're going to, we're again, we're focused on cats here. What are some ways you can possibly calm your cat? Because most homes, if you're in a busier area, you might have, I don't know, 20, 30 people knocking on your door, opening the door. You have your double barriers. You have your collars and your cat safe collar on your cat. But it's still, I would say from cat approach and considering my cats, it's going to provoke some anxiety in them. So what are some ways to calm them? Great question. So giving them a safe space is kind of the go-to always for any animal, basically. They need to feel like they have a place to retreat. And when we're talking about safe place, again, it's dependent on the individual, what they like and what makes them happy. So don't just broadly apply any of these recommendations and think that every animal is going to like the same thing. 
But things like, you know, cats often like to be elevated because they like to feel like they're out of reach of any potential threat, but they love being able to still view the threats, have like a full survey of the land and environment around them. So that's often, you know, a good go-to for them. Sometimes, you know, they like more, some animals like more of a cave, right? So if you have a table or an end table or something where you can throw a little blanket over, make it a nice little cozy little nest inside, it might, you know, help dampen some of the noise outside too. Like I said before, also, you know, you got to think about from their perspective, like their hearing is so much better than ours. So they're going to be a lot more sensitive to people walking up to the house, not to mention the doorbell or knocking on it. So having some sort of, you know, you can YouTube, like soothing cat music there's all sorts of playlists you just have to go look for them you can put some music on for them even putting on you know a tv channel to kind of buffer that background noise and then my biggest thing i would think would be to try to avoid having the doorbell rung over and over again or like knocking you know just be ready like at the window or you know step outside do what you have to do to kind of reduce the amount of stimulation that's happening that could stress them out even more and then i'm also a big fan of appropriately using calming meds when you need to or treats. My only word of caution on that is do your research because again, this is an under-regulated industry and you want to make sure that just because they say it's for pets, it doesn't mean it's safe. Make sure you look into it, you know, got to vet the companies and whatnot. But um, if you go that route, you want to give it, you know, at least an hour before the actual stressful event happens so that they have time to actually calm down prior to because it's a lot harder to calm them down after they're already stressed out. Those are such great tips. Okay, my last one, and kind of deals with every day, but even more so during, you know, Halloween, which starts off the whole holiday period and everything like that. What are some ways we can just be more open-minded to understanding our cats? Ooh, I love this question. This is like everything that I do. I would say actively practice empathy. So when I say that, I mean... Think about the other's perspective. Think about what it's like to be in your cat's mind, in their body, with their sense of the world and their perceptions, and how they would be experiencing each event. So, I mean, like right now, like, you know, look over at your cat and think about what they are thinking about this podcast that you're listening to, or think about what they must be feeling right now. Think about how they perceive each event that happens around them in a different way than you might. I think that, you know, actively practicing this type of thing helps us really start to think about things from their perspective, which will naturally lead you to understand them better. I love that response. And I want to tell you a little, little short story, a little, very quick thing, which made me realize, boy, I really need to understand it from her perspective. Molly is the only one of our cats, sometimes Dennis, that likes to jump on the couch and watch TV with us. And so it's a big couch and has, you know, like most couches, some of the throw pillows, some of them are big. And a cat, you know, cats aren't that big. Molly's not tiny. She's probably 15 pounds. So I was looking at her and the pillow behind me, which was kind of large, was moving a little bit. And I thought, Oh, she's like playing hide and seek. No, she was looking to see, is this going to fall on me? So I thought, you know, I need to be looking at it from her perspective. She sees this big pillow moving, thinking, where's the danger? Not this is something fun, hide and seek. This is a danger kind of a thing. So it just made me, you know, think 
of what you were saying and kind of an aha moment of, yeah, you really need to put yourself in your cats, you know, for paws and see the world from them. There's small, there's dangers that, you know, lurk above. There's things that you might not think is a, are a big deal that can be very, you know, unnerving toward them. Definitely. And I love your example because 100% that, right, is cats are one of those unique animals where they're both predator and prey. So they have to, you know, walk that fine line of wanting to hunt, but, you know, also self-preservation naturally. And, you know, it's, it's actually called anthropomorphizing when you, you know, put human attributes on an animal or like assume that you know exactly what they're thinking without actually taking their species specific considerations into account. And that's where it's really exciting, right? Fluent pet buttons, it allows us to give them a voice and tell us how they are feeling about a situation and communicate what their wants actually are. So we don't have to do as much guesswork about are we reading this correctly? Are we really doing the best caregiving that we can do? It just, you know, lets them tell us, basically. Exactly. Now, how can people, this has been so helpful, so informative, and such a fun Halloween episode. I mean, just so many great tips. Where can people find out more about what you do, if you're for hire and whatnot? How can people reach you? Yeah, so I actually work for a company called Fluent Pet. You can go to fluent.pet. They're the makers of, you know, talking buttons for animals. And I'm, you know, I'm around. So if you, you know, introduce yourself on the community forum, I'm, you know, I pop in and out of different Instagram things where you can ask questions and I'll reply to comments. That's, I guess that's the best way to put it is I'm, I'm super involved and active in the entire community. So it's one of those things where come see what it's all about. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing your wealth of information. And of course, for everyone listening, there will be a link on the episode page on Pet Life Radio under the um, Catitude show page. So again, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on Catitude. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I am so excited to have Ashley on. And I think this was such an informative Halloween episode. Enjoy your Halloween. Please remember your fur babes, especially your cats. And thanks to my cat crew that will be, they're going to be really safe on Halloween. Dennis, Molly, Charlotte, Jethro, and Sammy. And thanks to everyone listening to Catitude. I appreciate it so much. And of course, thank you to my guest, Ashley, for coming on and making this a special, special Halloween episode. And of course, thank you to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound great. So, hey, happy Halloween and lose the attitude. Have Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.